0: Hey there, Mike Stelzner with a quick update for you before we start today's show. Were you aware that we offered a virtual ticket to Social Media Marketing World? If you can't travel and you can't get to San Diego for this year's conference starting in 2019, you can still experience all the great content at your leisure from wherever you are in the world. And it's because of the virtual ticket. Simply check it out by visiting socialmediaworld19.com. Again, socialmediaworld 19 Today's show is sponsored by Social Media Marketing World 2019. Today, I'll be joined by Talia Wolf, and we'll explore how to use emotions to move people to action in your advertising. I think you're going to find it absolutely fascinating. By the way, if you want to email me, simply email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery
1: helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip.
0: Today, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
1: I found a really cool tool called Clipping Magic. And what it does is it instantly helps you remove your image backgrounds with this tool online.
0: Interesting. So yeah, cropping out uh, backgrounds is not an easy thing to do. So tell me more.
1: Yeah, well, and and that's exactly the point is even on the apps that I've found on the mobile devices, it can be difficult to do this very hard thing to do, which is pull backgrounds out and just isolate an image um, with with your finger. So having a desktop tool that does this really well is a cool way to go about this. And so what it is is you basically you drag and drop in or upload your image to the site, and then you can mark – uh, you know, the object with green so that you can say, you know, leave this image in, do not remove this image. And then you can go the opposite direction and say, okay, remove all of this. But even beyond that, even beyond, um, you know, having the background pulled out and the image left there, you can then adjust the colors a little bit, you know, punch it up, add, you know, drop shadow and, or crop the image a little bit better. So it's not just a remove background. It's a, it's a, total package tool when it comes to doing this
0: how um accurate do you need to be with your path if you will that you're deciding the clip is it smart mm-hmm. or do you, you know tell me more
1: as you go to the site and you look at what they're doing and how they're doing it like in real time there's a video that shows you like what's happening on one end with you know the brush strokes and all of that and what it's actually giving you result wise you do not have to be incredibly accurate they are being really smart about how um I don't know. I guess not yeah. automation is probably not the right word, but the AI or the, the tool itself does a lot of the work for you.
0: Didn't we see something like this a while back from Snapchat where you could put your mouse over an image and it would like change the backdrop? Is this something similar to that as far but it's masking out the backdrop, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's, it's, it's even making the background, um, you know, fully transparent so that there's nothing there and you've just got the image.
0: So what's the, so. Use, what's the use cases here?
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of different things. I mean, especially people who are, you know, out there uh, creating products, promoting products, and they want to be able to pull something out and really create great, uh, unique images to use in either their social posts or in, um, you know, different images on their website to promote their stuff, or, you know, Facebook Marketplace for that matter. That would be a great use case for this. Uh, This is one of those things where... The skill set to learn how to do this in a powerful tool is probably out of reach, but this is—I mean, again—the skills for using this is like, oh, okay, I just do a couple of different things, and, I'm, and I've got it. So,
0: yeah, I'm looking at their—I'm looking at their website, and it looks really intuitive. Like they're showing yeah. an example of a bottle with some incense in it, and all they're showing is literally you just draw a line down the center of the object and then another line up the backdrop and it just it seems to art intelligently find the edges of the objects and 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 keeps the shadows in there too which is amazing. Yeah. I don't know how in the world it does it. I mean it's shockingly good. It looks like it's that simple. Yeah. And
1: you know and and you scroll down a little bit further and there's a different demo where again they're showing you in you know in the live some of the other uh you know various tools that they've got. I mean they're they're taking this toy camera Yeah. to the max with it. So that's it's, really cool. It's crazy intuitive.
0: Yeah, because like Photoshop, you know, you could do something like this in Photoshop, but I, at least the version I have, is not this simple to use. So
1: no. Um,
0: so this is a is this an app or a desktop app? It's I mean, a desktop a
1: thing. App? It, yes. Yeah, it's a desktop program. It's all it's it's browser based. Okay. Um, and it does uh, work by subscription plans, and the the easiest one or the sh- the lowest end one is a three ninety nine a month. Plan where you get 15 credits, which basically that's 15 images. But again, if you don't use your uh, images up in a month, they roll over and then accumulate up to like 75 of them. So, you know, if you're not using it heavily, and you need to use it i mean 3.99 <laughs> yeah. you might end up paying that to have somebody do this for you for one image so
0: yeah and, and it's $3.99 let's just be clear yes. mean, we're not talking yes. a lot of money here okay so this is a browser based app this is you don't have to download software as far as you understand no. right okay yeah
1: it's all in the all in the browser
0: that's really cool um all right where do we find it
1: so you can find it by going to clippingmagic.com awesome thank you so much eric
0: you're welcome and now for this week's interview with Talia Wolf
1: helping you to simplify your social safari here is this week's expert guide
0: today I'm very excited to be joined by Talia Wolf if you don't know who Talia is she is the founder of Get Uplift an agency that specializes in conversion rate optimization for websites landing pages and advertisements she also has an amazing course called Emotion Sells the Masterclass Talia welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So today we're gonna focus in on how to test and create ads that move people to action and we're gonna get into some psychology. I'm really excited about what we're gonna talk about today Talia but before we go there I would love to hear a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into conversion rate optimization? Start wherever you want (laughs) to start.
2: That's a great question. I I started with conversion optimization by mistake, to be honest, (laughs) I was working in a social media agency and I was working with some of the biggest brands, um, some of the biggest local brands, Mm. and they were very focused on likes and engagements and comments and stuff. And my continuous question was always about leads or sales. And no one really knew the answer to that. I kept asking, you know, are you seeing actual leads? Are you seeing sales? What's actually going on? Um, and then because I wanted to basically increase conversions, I'd go into the ads themselves on Facebook and change them, change different elements on the page on in the ad itself, or I'll go to the landing page and change the landing page randomly, just kind of guessing. <laughs> um and that was my first steps within conversion optimization. It was later that I learned that that was an entire industry, just optimizing ads, landing pages, websites, and entire funnels. And the more I learned about it, the more I loved it, which is what basically got me to start my own conversion optimization agency.
0: So what so, year? how many years ago did you start messing around with this? What year was that when you first started running those tests?
2: I want to say... 2007.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So, quite, so for quite some time. And then when did you go off on your own? How long ago?
2: I started the agency in 2010.
0: Wow. So, so you started the agency. Keep telling us what happened.
2: Well, we started the agency and that was really um, a blow because back then, conversion optimization really wasn't a thing. So I spent the first couple of years just trying to convince people they should spend more money on optimizing um, their current assets than throwing more money into ads and mm-hmm. traffic. Um, and it was also another another blow that came with it was that, as I was saying before, I was kind of guessing my way through optimization Um, I had best practices, I was reading blog posts, I was basing it on tips and (laughs) people that I was asking, you know, uh, for recommendations, but I didn't really have a set process. And I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. And it was quite frustrating. So at some point when I got really tired of that hamster wheel, I basically went back to my bat cave and built an entire conversion optimization process of my own. Um, And funnily enough, it was highly successful very quickly. So within weeks, it was doubling and even 10 timing conversions for my clients. And it was bringing in more clients for me. Um, And it was all based the entire process, which today is probably the foundation of everything that I do. It was based on emotion and psychology.
0: That is so cool. And tell us what you're doing today.
2: So today I ran. I run. I ran. Hmm. Today I run um, my own consultancy, which is called Get Uplift, and essentially I help companies optimize their websites using emotion and psychology. And I also teach the whole thing. So you mentioned Emotion Sells the Masterclass. It's our flagship course where we teach how to identify those emotions of your customers to identify why people buy from you and then show that on the page to create high converting landing pages, ads, websites, and more.
0: That is so cool. I got to say, most social media marketers are not going to be intimately familiar with the concept of conversion rate optimization. And we here at Social Media Examiner kind of went through our own little aha moment last year when we hired a CRO expert and I began messing around with, you know, optimizing our sales page for social media marketing world and began uh just testing the most basic things and then all of a sudden began understanding that there's something to this emotional selling, you know, and all these things started coming together. And then I realized, wow, there's a kind of a a, a young but mature industry all around this concept. So it, it's so fascinating because, like you said, you started. It sounds like at a social agency, right? And so many people listening right now work for a company in social media marketing, and the concept of of conversion rate optimization is like very foreign to them. So I would love for you to kind of explain a little bit more of like why we need more of it. You know, what is it exactly? Because a lot of people, it's a foreign concept to them.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, the majority of companies spend a lot of money driving traffic to their website um, or landing pages. And what happens is sometimes you can spend a lot of money on it and you can change your ads and you can change the targeting and you can do many different things within them but you're just not getting the results that you want. Mm-hmm. And the, the go to solution is usually just throwing more money in or trying different target audiences and, and different things. But conversion optimization is actually about optimizing the pages themselves. So it could be the ad that we're using to grab people's attention, or it could be the landing page that people are landing on, or the website, or wherever people land on and go to, our job is to optimize that. Now, most people, when they think about optimization, they think about changing a call to action button, making it bigger, or maybe changing the headline, or maybe adding a few more bullets about why people should buy from you. but. That in itself is not exactly the right way to look at it. Um, It doesn't really produce the results that you want because you're essentially just changing elements on the page. You're just kind of moving things around. But real conversion optimization, what I actually like to call customer-centric optimization, is focused on understanding people. And maybe I can um, elaborate a bit about this. Yeah, please do. I think we, we live in a world where we're constantly told to be data-driven, right? We're constantly told to look at the numbers, the data, the analytics. Um, if I ask people who their customer is, I'm most likely going to get a list of the gender, the geographical location. Um, maybe you've done personas, so you'll tell me what you think they work at, how much money they're making, what browsers they're using, what devices they're using. but Very behavioral data. We've forgotten that there are people behind the screens, people with real challenges, real pains that are coming to our websites to solve those pains. And changing the color of a button isn't going to solve that pain for them. So our goal as optimizers is to understand our customers better, understand the emotions that they're feeling right now, the pains, their hesitations, their concerns, and then show that on the page.
0: I love this and you're speaking to my soul Talia in a way that is cool because I come out of the copywriting world. So I was a copywriter before I was a marketer. And these these principles of of communicating to humans are The core of what copy is really all about, right? So said another way, it's the message. (laughs) It's not the shape necessarily, right? It's the message that does the selling and all the optimizing in the world of, you know, pictures and colors and stuff like that, you know, could make a little difference. But if you want to make a big difference, go to the core of the message. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Definitely. And I think the reason I have I, I feel this way, and, and I've tested this so many times, is because when you look at most of the ads today, or any landing page, um, they're solely focused on themselves. They're mm-hmm. focused on the product or the service that they're selling. They're focused on their features. They're focused on pricing. But there's no emotion in there. There's nothing about the customer. And that is a serious issue. It's a problem because when you think about how people browse today, if you have a problem today, so you're looking for, I don't know, maybe a virtual assistant, you'll go online and you'll search for it on Google and our behavior today. And maybe you tell me if this is what you do too, Michael, but um, you get a, a long list In, you know, in Google of all sorts of different services. And what I do is I go to, I click on command and then I just open a bunch of tabs, right? Everything that's out there. And I now have like 10 different tabs of different options. And you, you start doing this thing called tab surfing. So you're like just jumping from one tab to the other, hoping to find this solution that's going to help you. And this doesn't matter if you know if you're B2B or B2C or if you're searching for something to help with your kids or if it's something to solve in your company, whatever it is, you're kind of just jumping between tab and tab and trying to figure out, you know, who's going to help me? What is the right thing for me? And you close these tabs and suddenly something grabs your attention. And, and I really want you to think about what that, what that is, because normally that thing that grabs your attention is something that says to you, whoa, this company gets me. This is exactly how I feel. Or this is exactly what I've tried. Or this is exactly what I'm looking for. Because that company or that tab has managed to kind of elicit everything that you are feeling right now and want to feel. While most companies focus on features and benefits and their product, the the most highly successful companies, think about Nike or Lego or Dove, you will never see that product in the center. You will never see bullet points talking about how their shampoo is better or their cream is better. It's all about the emotion. It's finding your inner self. It's becoming the better version of yourself. And that's what we need to be doing, all of us. And it's not about big budgets and it's not about being a big brand. It's just about understanding your customer. And as you said, finding the right message for that person behind the screen.
0: This is such a hard thing to reprogram. I mean, we have five people in our marketing department and I got to tell you, like, I have been banging this drum for almost a year now that we got to stop selling the features and the benefits. In the past, it would be like 200 speakers, 120 sessions, you know, um,
2: mm-hmm. dot,
0: dot, 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 about social media marketing world. and And I told everyone, you know, this year you're not allowed to mention the price. You're not allowed to mention the quantities. You have to talk about the problem we're solving, you know, Um, which is like, for example, be the hero at your company, you know, Um, or whatever those problems are. And it's not easy because sometimes... You know, um, we seem to, when when, when we start running these kinds of experiments and tests, we seem to, if they just don't work, we seem to say, well, we got to go back to our old way, (laughs) right? Because it's (laughs) what I know. Can you relate to that?
2: (laughs) I can. And I think that's why... Um, Going back to the process that I created, that's why I feel so confident about it. Because one of the biggest issues you have when you're trying to optimize something, like your sales page for your conference, is being able to support it with research, with data. Right. And a lot of times, many times when you have suggestions for optimizing something, it's just gut feeling. But When you come in with research saying, you know, this is what people are actually saying. This is what we're seeing. This is what people are doing. It's so much easier to test these things and get people in on it. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, increase our conversions, but we do learn a lot from it. We do understand our customers better and it sets us up for the next stage. But I definitely understand the hesitation people have from changing their entire messaging and kind of taking that huge leap from just saying that the tickets are on sale or that this amazing keynote speaker is coming to speak because he's from this amazing company or she is from this huge brand right um so yeah i get it
0: so um so the advantage what i'm hearing you say uh Throughout the course of today's dialogue so far is that conversion rate optimization that's focused on the message, the emotional side, the things that will ultimately move people to action can help us save enormous amounts of time and money because rather than continuing to throw uh, ad budget behind many, many tests that perhaps are just wasteful like just test, testing the wrong things or by not um, or by just accepting what it is today as good enough instead of investing in optimizing this so that we could, well, let me say this another way. First of all, we could save a lot of money by not being wasteful with our ads. Secondly, we could waste, save a lot of time without being wasteful with doing the wrong kinds of tests. And the third thing is there could be a massive financial upside to this. Am I right? Because the new normal could be substantially higher because once we set and figure these things out and we set them in motion, there's a downstream advantage that could be carrying on for many, many years when we revise all of our messaging. Am I
2: right? 100%. And I'll even add another reason to do this. Once you actually start focusing on the customer and their emotions and that message, What's really cool is when you start seeing those results, it's something that isn't just going to affect the marketing department, but everyone. So if you have a sales team, you can walk up to them and say, you know what, these are the messages that resonate the most with our customers. When you walk up to the retention team and you say to them, when people have these pains or these concerns, this is what you want to say to them because this is what motivates them the most. Hmm. It's an every little thing within the company can be changed and completely optimized just by making it about the customer.
0: And while while I know you have a very long process, we're going to zoom in on on some of the areas in the psychology realm on how we can move people to action, right? So talk to us. I know you have a couple pillars. So um, let's zoom in on if we want to use psychology to some of the principles that you teach to get people to take the right kinds of actions, what should we be focused on?
2: So I have three pillars for the emotional targeting um, process. And the first one is make it about the customer, um, which we've been talking about extensively. It's mainly about understanding that you are not the hero of the story, your customer is. So it's not about you, it's about your customer and what they need. Um, And it's a mind shift. It's it's changing everything that you might be doing today from talking about yourself to talking about the customer's benefit.
0: Can we zoom in on that one before we go to the other two? Of Um, course. So how do we make it about the customer if we're not normally in the business of making it about the customer? Where do we start?
2: Well, definitely going to get into more of that soon when I talk tactics. But one of my favorite, favorite ways of doing that is an on-site survey. Um, the very simple, we want to ask the questions and understand our customers better. So one of the things that you can do is just reach out to customers. Now, a lot of people are very worried about running on-site surveys, but you can create surveys that are very targeted for specific people. And it's my favorite way of understanding customers better. So some of the questions I would ask are things like, what happened to you? What happened today that made you search for this solution? It's not, hey, why did you choose us? It's more about the specific thing that happened in their life, the specific moment that led them to go into Google or any other search um, and search for a solution.
0: Now, I'm familiar with a tool called Hotjar. I don't know if you use them or not, but they do have literally pop-up surveys Mm -hmm. that can pop up to random visitors when they come to the site. Are you talking about more, more the prospect or more someone who has already become a customer?
2: So I use Hotjar all the time. They're my favorite tool and I recommend them to everyone. Um, you can do both. What I'm talking about right now is surveying your existing customers, Got it. people who are already paying you, already your customers, trying to figure out their the emotions behind it. So things that I would ask are things like, um, if I would take our product or a solution away from you today, what would you miss the most?
0: Ooh, I love that. That is so smart. <laughs> Let me guess, you find gold when you ask that question. Am I right?
2: Absolutely. I mean... Can you give us some examples
0: of some of the stuff you found by asking that question?
2: 100. Yeah, um, so what's really cool is that most times um, that people will put a question as in, you know, what is your favorite feature? What is the one thing that you love about our product? And then... Most people, not knowing how to answer that, will just say, Well, you know, I love the pricing, or I love this feature, or I love that, this, and this. But when you ask people, You know, I'm going to come to your house and take away this product, or I'm going to stop serving you today, what is the one thing you're going to miss? You find out some crazy things. And it's not the technical things that they're missing, it's suddenly stuff like, being comfortable and not needing to get up from the couch or the fact that they can just immediately warm their house up before they come in or all these weird things that have nothing to do with what the product actually does or what the service actually does, but it's just the emotional connection that they have with it. So maybe it makes their life easier. Maybe it connects them with people and you didn't even know that. Maybe it makes them look good to other people or to their managers or coworkers. So it's all these things that suddenly come up and it's a goldmine.
0: That is so cool. All right. Well, do you want to move on to the second pillar or do you want to say anything else about make make it about the customer?
2: Um, well, we make it about the customer. There are many, many, many ways, but I do strongly um, recommend using a survey. And one quick tip that I have with that is... Um, if you don't want to do an on-site survey that pop up, pops up, like we just mentioned, one really cool thing you could do is have a survey on your thank you page. Mm. So when someone, um, converts, someone kind of takes the first action, it's actually a psychological thing. We're more prone to take another action because we've already taken one. So you can ask them one question, think very hard about that question, put it on the thank you page and just ask that. And you'll see that you'll get a lot of answers.
0: What kind of question will we ask on that kind of a page? Because obviously they haven't received the product yet, right?
2: Right. But if this is a person who just signed up, even to a newsletter, there are so many things you can ask from. What as made, we what, what made you before. decide
0: to sign up? Or I mean, or I mean, like, what's what's the? Well, the
2: the problem of asking these kind of questions of what made you sign up or why did you choose us um, is that we human beings thinkers of ourselves as rational people. We do not like to think of ourselves yeah. as emotional. Right. Um. So we, we you know, we, we buy on emotion then we justify with rations. So we might like go into a store and buy a $200 t-shirt and then justify it by saying, well, you know, I have this big event coming up and another one next month. So it's really like I spent a hundred dollars on each event and it makes total sense. So you You make up these, right. <laughs> you rationalize it as you go. So it will be hard for you to just plain say, Hey, you know, why did you buy from us? Or what made you sign up today? Because you will get the answers that you don't really want. You're going to get those technical answers. So for me, I like to dig a little deeper and I'll even ask questions like, who is your role model? Oh. Or, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. funny question, but who is your role model actually gives you a lot of insight because it tells you about their values and who they want to be like. Mm, that is their better version of themselves.
0: Fascinating. Were you going
2: to give another example there? I was, I was going to say that, um, asking them what led them to search for your solution today is ah, a very helpful question.
0: That is a good question. Cause that kind of asks them indirectly. What's your problem, <laughs> right?
2: Right. It's, but you're not saying, um, so tell me what is your issue, and then they'll say, "Well, um, I have a communicational problem with my distributed team," because that's right. what people will say. But if you say, "What happened in your life today that led you to search for a solution?" They might say, "Well, my boss has been nagging me," or <laughs> something like, "I'm really tired of trying to communicate with Fred from Australia, and I really need to, you know, start making sense of things." Because people aren't are so used to these kind of structured questions that when you ask them. Oh, what was going on in my life? Um, Yeah, this person pissed me off. Sorry. (laughs) Or this person. No, I get
0: it. No, but, but, and by the way, marketers, you want to make note of all that stuff and look for patterns because it's going to come back and be helpful later, right?
2: right we're not getting into because uh, i can go on for hours about this but we're not getting into actually how to analyze this data but that's what's really really cool and as a copywriter you can probably really love this yeah. is that when so when you get like hundreds of answers what you'll te- what you'll tend to see is many similar answers and then you don't have to sit in front of a um a blank screen and think what am I going to write? What is my copy on my ad? You don't have to do that anymore because people have actually just told you what to write and you can use all of that as your copy. It's just using their words as your copy.
0: Awesome. Okay. So what's the second pillar?
2: So the second pillar is all about not just saying it, but making people feel it. So what that means is if we know that people are feeling some sort of pain, you could say, well, we know you're experiencing this. That could be one way of doing it. But one thing that you want to make sure is, and, and maybe we'll get into this a bit later, but is that we don't only... We need to feel everything on the page. That means the colors that you're using, the images that you're using, the copy that you're using, everything on the page should make you feel in a certain way. It's not enough to just say, I'm here to solve your pain. You have to make people feel it and believe it. So, that's actually if making it about the customer is the point where you do your research and understanding your customer's emotions. The second pillar where you're making people feel it is where. Um, color psychology comes in. It's where images come in. It's where copy comes in. It's where testimonials come in. It's all that to emphasize those emotions that we just researched.
0: It's kind of like just bringing it all together in a way that totally resonates with your target audience. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: And sometimes they don't even understand why they just sense it, right? Like, Like there's a lot of psychology by walking into an Apple store, for example, right? I mean, there's, there's, it may not you may not intuitively understand what's going on but they've designed all these tables you know where you can walk up and you can feel the product and they don't have cash registers you know what i mean there's just they they've got people that are there to help you and and they know that the people that are coming into that store are creative people so they want to allow them to just fiddle with it you know and they're there if you need them and there is something about the way that they've designed that space that is very appropriate for their customer right
2: i I agree, and it's and I, I'll even take it a step further. It's more than that. It's when you talk about Apple, or at least when you used to talk about Apple, um, it kind of gave you a sense of prestige, right. right? So if you are using an Apple device, whether it's a Mac or an iPhone or an iPad, you're a little bit better than other people. <laughs> I mean, you don't you know, want to admit it. Thing. You don't
0: want to admit it, but yeah, especially if you have an Apple Watch or something, and everyone can right. see it, right? It's
2: it's this. It's the social image that you have, or it's not as strong as it used to be, but this is what it was uh, for many, many years up until a couple of years ago, it was a social image that you had. And that is something that Apple worked on for a very, very long time. Nike does it too. Um, they don't talk about their shoes. They talk about finding your greatness. So it's, anyone can pick up a pair of shoes and go running, and it doesn't matter if you're overweight, if you're female, what gender you are, what, you know, where you're from, what you're doing in your life. You can find your greatness by doing sports, but they don't actually focus on the products that they're selling. That's awesome. Um, By the way, Lego is the best example for that. Lego is probably my favorite one. Um, When you look at Lego ads, they never actually talk about what you can do with Lego. So it doesn't tell you you can build a castle or a car or a tower. It talks about... Um the kids who use Lego are more confident. They're happier. Um they have a better future in front of them because they are filled with pride and fun and everything they create makes them feel better about themselves. And as a parent you're like, "Heck yeah, I want that for my kids. Bring me some Legos." So <laughs> that's that's everything with emotion there.
0: Awesome. Okay, your last pillar?
2: My last pillar is running meaningful tests. And essentially that's the third step, right? So we found the emotions, then we, we decided how to show them on the page, and then the third pillar is going to be running meaningful tests. So we touched on this at the beginning, not just testing a different call to action button, not just testing um, your headline, but really running meaningful tests that will tell you something. So that even if the test fails, you will learn more about your customers and your and their emotions and what motivates them most.
0: So, um, let's apply some of this to advertising. and And I know we already stated from the outset that um, obviously there's two parts to this, right? Part one is to get them to your sales site or page, and. Yeah. Part one is to get them there. And part two is for that to do the close, right? But we're going to focus on the first part here, right? Which is the ads. Um, what? How can we apply some of this concept into our social media advertisements so that we can hopefully stand out you know, in the newsfeed and get that connection, that emotional connection with that right crowd to ultimately get um, them to click?
2: Yeah. I love this question because when you, I don't know if you know this, but we see between 4,000 and 10,000 messages a day. Wow. So this is insane. This means these are all the people that are tweeting you and writing to you and calling you and texting you and all the ads that we see, everything we're just constantly being bombarded with content. And in order to really um, get people to convert, you have to stand out. Now, I'm not saying you can't do this with a really cool image. I mean, back in the 90s, probably putting on an image of someone who's looking kind of frisky would also get some clicks. (laughs) But what we really want to do is connect with people. And what we want to do is actually start from the top of the funnel. And it's very interesting what you said because you were saying step one is getting people to move to your website, and the second part is going to be to actually sell them. But I believe that you can start selling and actually resonating with people on the emotional level right from the get-go. That ad that you're putting on Facebook or on Instagram or anywhere on social media can really resonate with people and make everything along the way with the funnel so much easier.
0: Yeah, so let's now, talk about it. What do, we, what do we need to learn from you on this?
2: Well, most um, ads that I see... Are normally, so if we talk about e commerce, for example, you'll see the image of the product that they're selling. You'll see um, talking, you know, you'll see some sentence about the half price. You'll see the fact that someone's saying it's a gorgeous dress, and that's about it. Um, but for me, what I like to do with my ads is really tell a story. And that's where copy comes in. It's all about once you've understood what your customers really care about and their pain, I like to run two different tests. One is the before and one is the after. So the before is what people are feeling right now. What are people struggling with? What is their pain? What is something that's holding them back? Now I know that there's this kind of best practice that everyone talks about that you're not supposed to write a lot of copy or a lot of text because people don't read. But that is incorrect. If you give people a reason to read, believe me, they will read. My most high converting ads have sometimes 200 words in them in just a Facebook ad because I'm telling a story and I'm talking about maybe the pain that someone's feeling or pain that I used to feel beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I think that telling the story of acknowledging that people are feeling in a certain way, and telling them that there is a solution and inviting them to explore that solution with you is the before. And
0: because, by the way, you source those ideas from your survey, right? You To get mm-hmm. to their pains, am I right?
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Okay, so we'll, and and then, then you have the after, which is what, let me guess, uh, What? how people are elated once they've given this a try, am I right?
2: Right, so it's what people want to feel. Once they found the solution, so if they're currently lonely, maybe you want to talk about the fact that they are going to be part of a bigger community. They're going to be a big a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, if they are currently feeling unappreciated, maybe you want to talk about the fact that people um, who have found uh, who have used this solution have been appreciated by their managers, have been, um, you know, given awards for all sorts of things. But it's, again, it's not about saying, oh, this product or this service is going to make you this way. It's just about telling that story of how we understand that this is something that you want, allow us to show you how we can help you achieve that. So, so it's making it about them.
0: Talia, do you put this before and after into a single? ad or or are you actually because it sounded like you were saying these are two different ads
2: yeah these are two different ads so how, I okay here, so
0: it. how how do you this is the copywriter in me asking but how do you not talk about if you talk about the before challenges you have to at least tease that this is the solution to the challenge right um so if you're feeling lonely and you're a marketer out there and nobody understands what you're doing because you know Social media is constantly changes and nobody gets you. Guess what? You're not alone. da 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 Come join the tribe of fellow people at Social Media Marketing World. That would be like a before ad, but you still have to at least have some sort of a, hey, we can solve that in the ad, don't you?
2: Right. So you can use images for that. So for example, one thing that you could do is maybe use a testimonial. Maybe a testimonial of someone saying how it was life-changing to be here right. or be at this event or life-changing to learn this information or the appreciation that they suddenly received from their peers and their managers and how that changed them. So it's kind of the copy is about how they're currently feeling. And then you're kind of proving that you can make a change with the testimonial there.
0: I see. So the first ad is kind of like, Hey, we're here. We understand your pain. The second ad is more of a desired outcome, right? Like, hey, you want this. You want to be around people who get you, da, 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 and, and it's more like imagine yourself already there, right? So they're, they're kind yes. of coming at it from different angles. Is that right?
2: Definitely. And you can do that with video or with images or anything that you choose. But the point here is that you're telling someone's story and not your own.
0: Cool. You mentioned color psychology earlier. Talk about that
2: color psychology is an interesting thing (laughs) i have an interesting relationship with color psychology i use a lot of color psychology on my landing pages and websites and a little with ads too Um, but one thing that i that i find imperative to say is that color psychology um everyone loves to talk about it and there's beautiful infographics about it everywhere on the web but um, the one thing that isn't correct with color psychology is that not every color has just one emotion. So normally when you ask people about blue, they'll say, well, blue means trust and green means fresh and red means anger. Um, so I, I do want to make sure that when I'm saying color psychology, I don't mean that that's what color psychology is. Colors do have an emotional effect on us, but they don't work alone. So you have to use them all together and you can use too much of a color or too less of a color and not achieve the emotions that you want. But essentially, when you're thinking about using color psychology, it's just about um, grabbing people's attention. If you're using an image of the product, that might be a little harder. But if you are maybe using just an illustration or a video, an animation, then you can think about the different colors that you're using to illustrate those emotions that you want to highlight.
0: Um, where do you learn about color psychology? Because that's obviously a huge topic. I mean, is there any resources that you would direct people to if they want to understand more about that?
2: Well, I have a free guide (laughs) about color psychology. Um, So you're very welcome to read that one. It's a very um, long one, which also includes a worksheet. Um, So the idea is that it talks a bit about how color psychology actually works and then how you can find the the colors that um, are basically the best for your brand and your customers.
0: Awesome. If you want to tell people where they can get that, go for it.
2: Yeah, it's on my website. I actually have um with getuplift.co. There's a whole resource section, um a ton of just everything that I create I put there and you can download for free. So it's just um all my worksheets and cheat sheets and all my checklists and everything that I use including the color psychology guide.
0: Awesome. And I would imagine colors are different depending on gender sometimes as well, right? Like red, I know for some people is going to be power or action and others might be something different. Is that right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's also one of the interesting things is that it's not just gender, it's also age and culture. Interesting. So, Just a quick example would be that in the Western uh, civilization, we use white as a wedding and all sorts of like, that's the wedding theme. But, um, in the Far East, that is a color of mourning. So you wouldn't wear white, you would wear red for a wedding, um, as a bride.
0: Fascinating. So
2: yeah. So you really have to know your people well, their culture, where they're from their backgrounds before you use certain colors, um, and use them in the wrong way.
0: Talk to me about images, because obviously we've kind of touched on that a little bit, but um, how can we use images other than our products, you know, to somehow elicit emotions? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I'm actually quite against using images of products and uh, services. That's what most people do on most right. websites. You have like a an image of a mobile app or a desktop with a, a picture of what the company does or whatever. So um, I like to use images that portray emotion and raw actual emotion. So this can be anything from an image of people. It could be a background of something. It could be anything really that is just highlighting those emotions versus just saying, you know, here's a dress that we're selling, or if you are selling a product, then, and you just specific with e-commerce and you want to show the dress, then at least show it with the background of where is this person? Why are they buying this dress? Are they buying it because they're going on this dream date? Can you show that, those emotions, those feelings, those dreams coming true of maybe at a party, maybe at a restaurant, maybe a moonlight walk, whatever it is, but not just focusing on the product itself and what it looks like, but the outcome of using it. And it's the same with services and anything um, that you're using. It's just uh, that you're selling, sorry, That you're just trying to portray those before and after feelings.
0: Talia, I know right now there's going to be people that are screaming, please don't stop. (laughs) (laughs) But I could talk to you for hours about this. I find this absolutely fascinating. But I would implore people if they want to learn more about this to go follow you and check out the stuff you've got. Where do you want people to go to find you, Talia?
2: Well, there's two ways. You can either follow me on Twitter, which is at Talia GW. um, And I love to talk to people there. So you're very welcome to reach out there. Um, Or as I mentioned before, you can go to my website, which is getuplift.co. And you can find out more about our courses and get all the free resources, including, by the way, a list of 100 psychological triggers that you can use in marketing. So that
0: might be interesting for you guys. Talia Wolf, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insight with us. It was a great pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I hope you find a lot of value in today's episode. If there's anything we mentioned and you missed it, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 327. Also, don't forget, social media marketing world is the event you do not want to miss. Simply check it out by visiting socialmediaworld19.com. And if you know you can't travel, check out the virtual ticket. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.